The Outskirts of Faith podcast is brought to you by Monkey Nut Audiobooks. Creating audiobooks, podcasts and voiceovers that keep people listening. Hello and welcome to the Outskirts of Faith podcast. My name is Elliot Frisby and this is the podcast where you think, you know, I hear people talking about Jesus. I hear this thing about Christianity and I just got a bit of an incentive to look into it a little bit further. What's it all about? Why are there two and a half billion people out there enjoying this wonderful thing? Well, maybe this is the right place for you. So I've got some great guests coming on and let's find out what we've got going on on today's episode. I think some people tend to think that Christianity is all about, well, what happens when you die. Once I jumped in and realised I could believe, it just all began to fall into place. What kept, you know, me going through that whole experience was the idea that there is hope. So my first guest today is Sarah McClelland, and she's the minister of St. Francis Church in Valley Park, where she has been loving it for the past four years. Before that, she was a GP in Jersey. Oh, yes. Getting a nod of approval there. And I love this, right? It says, she loves that she is, uh, at St. Francis, is a diverse church family. And she loves working with the primary school, which is nearby. But as well as the opportunities of the pub, working with the pub, and coffee and cake. So when most people think of church, they're not necessarily thinking of the word pub and coffee and cake. I know, they're missing out on that, aren't they? Yeah, tell us more, Sarah. It's all about hospitality. Let's enjoy life. Let's have some fun. God gave us all this great stuff. So just want to enjoy it and get other people enjoying it too. And tell us what's going on at the church at the moment. There's all sorts of things going on. The school have been over a lot this week because we've had nativities and things like that. We've got a cafe that goes on a couple of times a week. Uh, We've got lots of toddler craft going on for them. We have got Bible studies going on. We've got Bible meditations going on. Is this normal for churches in general? Because there are so many different types of churches and out there in all over the world. Is, say, St. Francis slightly different to, say, a church down the road? Would you find everywhere, would you find thing for the children and coffee and cake etc. Do you know I think most churches are really looking to uh, just look after their communities and be a place where people can gather, offer something for children and families and coffee and cake for older folk and all the rest of it. But also the wonderful thing is that all churches are pretty different, which means that you're probably going to find somewhere that suits you. And we happen to do things one way. We're pretty relaxed. We love cake. And other places, maybe a little bit more formal, maybe a little bit more peaceful. Uh, so, yeah, all different. And that's the beauty of it. I love that, Sarah. And you're most welcome here. Thank and, you. And uh, sitting right next to you over there, Mr. Bob Hartman, an author and storyteller. He's written. You ready for this? Ready for this? Okay. Everyone listen at home. You've written over 100 books. Yes. How do you have time to write over 100 books? I have a hard enough time putting my <laughs> shoes on in the morning. Well, I've, I've been doing it for like 30 years, so it doesn't really, I mean, it's like three a year. That doesn't feel like as much if you do it that way. You just sort of split it up. Yeah. What I love about your books, we talked about this earlier on, is that they have just continued to reach out to people through the years and will continue to do so. And I think that some people, they're, book life can often sort of dwindle off. But your books, you know, for example, they're read on Sunday mornings. They just pop up here and there. I've got one on my bookshelf, you know, which which is great. You must feel really, really proud of that. And would you say that is has always been God's role for you? I think so. Uh, I was a minister in a located 
you know, ministry, pastoral ministry for a few years and just kind of got attracted to the idea of trying to retell God's story. And one thing led to another and the door opened that I could, you know, submit some stuff to a publisher and they took it and it just kind of went from there. And you're right, the idea that somebody has taken something you've written and is using it in churches and schools and has been doing that for, you know, gosh, you know, 30, 30 years now, it just feels amazing. It, it's kind of like a dream come true. It's sort of what I hope for. Yeah. Amazing. Now, I find it really interesting how many people out there do have an interest in Christianity, but don't actually step forward and, and explore it further for many different mm -hmm. ways. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it would feel a bit strange for some people. They're like, Jesus, son of God, you know, how do I handle that? And I think it's not until you do sort of explore that it all just really comes clear. And it's, it's amazing. So, we're all talking about the outskirts of faith, those people there who just have a slight interest and maybe they're listening on the tube right now going, go on, tell me more. What am I missing? What am I missing? Okay. So I suppose the obvious question is, say, Sarah, have you ever been on the outskirts of faith or been pulled to the outskirts of faith or, or helped someone on the outskirts of faith? And what did that look like? Well, I've certainly been there. That's where I began. And I just thought, is this all just a fairy tale? And um, like you said, I, I started life as a GP. Well, I didn't start life as a GP. I, went, I was a kid. I went, I went to school. But then I ended up at medical <laughs> school and uh, I lived in a hall of residence with lots of Christians. And they loved to tell me what I ought to believe. And I didn't really like that. So I thought time for me to explore. Because, you know, I kind of had a sense there was something out there, kind of felt there was something bigger. So I looked into it and I wanted evidence. I was a bit of a scientist and I wanted evidence. So I looked into the Bible. Could this possibly be true? And for me, it just all stacked up a mixture of the history, the uh, experience that I've had, the experience other people have had down the years, um, as well as more recently. And then once I jumped in and realised I could believe, it just all began to fall into place. And yeah. it makes so much sense. I couldn't imagine living life without faith in God. Obviously, God wants us. It wants us to go to him. Mm, you know, it, yeah. it wants that to happen. And it's everything does fall into place, of course, when it happens. So you said you wanted evidence. Yeah. <laughs> so was the Bible evidence enough for you? What was it that you, can you remember what you read? That Was there a particular section in there where you just thought to yourself, yeah, this just makes sense. What was it? Was it a feeling? What was it? Yeah, I mean, what what it was was that people would say to me, well, the Bible says X, so therefore it must be true. So what I needed to know was, could the Bible be trusted? So that's where my research came in a little bit. And I understood the Bible's made up of absolutely loads of documents that all agree with each other in all sorts of ways. And that there were absolutely thousands of documents that the evidence is drawn from to make up the Bible. So I felt that it was a credible document. So once I'd made that decision that the Bible could be trusted, I mean, hey, it's like a library. There's all sorts of different genres within it. And you kind of need to get that really. Because if you read the book of Revelation, it sounds really nuts. It sounds like you're kind of watching Doctor Who or something. Yeah, I won't lie to you. I, I struggled. I struggled a bit with that. <laughs> sounds really crazy. I, I recorded some once and they actually said, uh, I said, yeah, I, I struggled a bit with Revelation. They said, a lot of people struggle yeah. with Revelation. But it sounds nuts. But I think it was the Alpha course, if I'm not mistaken, actually said something like, do you believe in Julius Caesar? Yeah, that's it. Well, the amount of proof there is for Julius Caesar yeah. is something like, 20 yeah. doctors or something, but there's like 200,000 exactly. for, for Jesus. Yeah. You know, and that's just Bible. like mind boggling. Yeah. You know, it's like, what is stopping you, you know, with, with this proof in, inside of you? So once I decided the Bible was true and there was this guy called Jesus, then 
it was easier to take that leap of faith. Now, I've seen you, do you say at work? Do you say that to a minister? Are you working? I don't know. Well, I think God's <laughs> called me to it, but yeah, I get okay. paid. I guess I call it a job. So I've seen you at work and I've seen the smile on your face when you just, the, the joy you get yeah. being up there and, and reaching out. And when you hear people telling their stories oh, and how, yeah. how God and Jesus has, has affected their lives. So at what point did you switch over to being a minister? I think there's a lot of similarities between being a doctor and leading a church. Mm. I just want to see people whole and healthy, right? And for me, it was all about seeing them come into a relationship with Jesus, which is the ultimate place of healing and wholeness. So, I mean, it was about eight years ago, I think, that I made the switch. And I am so glad. It just is exactly the right place for me. I Wonderful. Well, yeah. Thanks, thanks for sharing it. that. Yeah. Bob, what about yourself? Have, have you ever been on, I mean, you were a minister and then you've been writing wonderful Christian books. So have you ever been on the outskirts of faith or pulled in that direction? Not really. I was raised in a Christian family and my parents took us to church from when we were little. And sort of, I, I kind of grew up in the faith. And yes, you have to make your own decision, obviously, at some point along the way. But I had a couple of friends in high school who I was very close to, I'm still very close to. And the one kind of went to church sometimes, and the other one didn't have any connection to church at all. And, uh, you know, just in bits and pieces, we got talking about faith. And I just suggested that they come along to our youth group and, you know, see what it was all about. And I think in their case, they're both very committed Christians now. It was a matter of being involved in a community. That mm. made the difference for them. A group of people who they could see loved one another and took care of one another. And so, it was probably less intellectual to start with and more to do with just kind of being part of a family. And that's what made the difference for them. I think as well that with your books as well, I'd be really interested to know how many people on the outskirts of faith you've actually reached. People who have... <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Did you know that yesterday I did one of Bob's pop-up nativities for 400 school kids. Oh, that's, that's amazing. It's so awesome. So I also love... There's 400 for starters. There you go. There you I go. also love that you've got the school kids in your head that you actually put your hand up when you wanted <laughs> to speak. <Yeah>. Always. <laughs> Sir. I'm sorry. I had to butt in with that because that's just an example. So that's great. It's, it's like sowing a seed. It's that little spark, which is great. So have you when you're working as minister or on your journeys now, because you obviously you travel around to lots of different yeah. places, do you see people on the outskirts who are sort of learning and wanting, are hungry for more on your journeys? Absolutely. I mean, it, it can be kids in schools. And sometimes I'm just doing assemblies, but other times I'm doing workshops, you know, and uh, I get asked all kinds of questions about sort of my faith journey and also what the Bible has to say about such and such. And it's... it. it there are loads of young people who are very interested in faith and are trying to kind of figure it out. So that's kind of one aspect of what I do. But yeah, there's also adults in all different kinds of contexts who are asking the same questions. Mm. Wonderful. Now, one thing that I think can be quite daunting to people at first, I know it certainly is for me. I'm not someone who can just go and quote a load of scripture. we got Matt, Matt over there. Matt's our producer. Hi, Matt. Yo, hello. There he is in the background there. <laughs> like, Matt, Matt, you know, you come out with some great bits and pieces. I have things that stick in my my brain. I mean, one thing that I think of every morning is uh, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice to be glad. Now, I absolutely love that. For me, that really reaches out. But I do find that there is scripture that reaches to people at different times. And it's not necessarily the same for everybody. So anyone listening to this, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of 
not necessarily knowing scripture or, or and what it says. It's it's a process. It's a learning. But I have asked you to bring one of your favourite bits of scripture with you. Sarah, can I start with you? What have you brought with you today? Well, this might feel a little bit obscure, but (laughs) my favourite bit of scripture is Isaiah 35. So it's one of the guys who was like 700 years before Jesus came along. And he was beginning to tell a story of what the world could look like when Jesus comes back and makes it all new and perfect and whole again. So he's describing what it's like when Jesus is in charge. So if you're picking up a Bible at home for the first time, Isaiah 35 would mean chapter 35. So you just go for Isaiah and you'll see a big three, five. The little numbers are verses. So when you hear chapter and verse, the big number is the chapter, little one is the verse. So we're talking Old Testament here. Yes. So tell us more. Well, Isaiah just paints this beautiful picture of what it's like when God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. Just amazing. So can I just read just a little bit? Yeah, do. Awesome. I'm not going to read the lot, but I just really totally recommend it. It starts off like this and it's just beautiful picture language. It just speaks to my soul. Uh, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. Beautiful picture though, right? It's amazing. And it's just that kind of thing of refreshing and healing and hope and everything bursting forth. Sarah, was it you who said to me once that you really feel like it's the New Testament's really exciting when you kind of relate to how, how the Old Testament and New Testament... It's amazing. Yeah. I love how that meshes together because all of those things happen that, you know, the the living water is seen where, like Jesus is the living water. He said that. I'm the water of life. So the water that's bursting forth in the desert there turns out to be Jesus. And when we come to him, he just quenches all our thirst. And did you say 700 years before? Yeah. So 700 years before the birth of Christ, yeah. it was being spoken about. Yeah. That's just tremendous, isn't it? In fact, I, I mean, listen, never ask a vicar because they start preaching a sermon, right? But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, the thing is, in the middle of this chapter, it starts talking about the eyes of the blind will be open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, the mute tongue shout for joy. And that's what Jesus came and said, I'm going to do this. And then there's all the stories in the Gospels of him doing that. And here we are 700 years earlier with this beautiful picture language, which is beginning to get a picture painted. Honestly, it's what I get up for in the morning, this stuff. Love it. So, Bob, what do you think when you hear that scripture? <laughs> I think Sarah and I did not talk ahead of time, but the scripture I've got is from Isaiah as well. <laughs> and awesome. It, and it's one of the other passages about God's vision for I the world it. and vision for humanity. It's I chapter 11, it. which, awesome. you know, you know, it was lectionary reading for last week, yeah. which is a, a selection of Bible verses that Christians will read week by week uh, in church. But yeah, mine's Isaiah 11 because I felt like that whole picture of, of hope is at the heart of who Jesus is and what it is that we believe. Um, we were talking earlier just um, before we started doing this about the whole COVID thing and everything that everybody went through. And what kept you know me going through that whole experience was the idea that there is hope. There is hope. You know, hope for tomorrow, hope for eternity, the new heaven and the new earth that God is going to make, mm-hmm. the fact that this just isn't the end that there's so much more because of the resurrection of Jesus and because his resurrection is a picture of what God wants to do with us. Mm. You know, it's a forever sort of journey. 
And I just think that's something we so desperately need to know. You know what you mentioned about, and I'm going to ask you to read your scripture in a minute, but something I've been talking about recently, actually, is you were saying about the new heaven and new earth, right? Yeah. But do you think when everyone's in such a rush, when everyone wants things next day, do you think that everyone's a bit impatient for this as well? Because I think that everybody wants something yesterday. Yeah. But what I've been talking about is how it wasn't actually that long ago in the great scheme of things that the New Testament was written. No. You know, it wasn't long ago as well. I mean, in the great no. scheme of things, you know, 2000 is what, 19, 1850 years. You know, it's it's not actually that long ago. So do you think that there is an element of patience that's needed? I think there is. I think we're all impatient for life to be better, for things to be better generally. And so consequently, yeah, we get a bit fussy along the way and we get, we you know, we want, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? But I'm also encouraged by the fact that um, oh, Tom Wright, a Bible teacher who you and I were talking about earlier, talks about the fact that you know, as Christians, we're building towards this amazing thing that God will eventually do mm. at the end of all things. And in that building towards it, you know, you see bits and pieces of the kind of picture that that Isaiah put forth in the passage that Sarah read, and and, and the picture that you know I'm going to share as well. Bits and pieces of that kind of truth and that new life coming into being. So coupled with the impatience, there is also the willingness to say, well, no, in my place, in my time where I'm at, I'm going to build that thing as best I can to be that kind of follower of Jesus and that Jesus person who tries to make his life come to life in the community where I live. Mm-hmm. So so I think that that helps us deal with the impatience because there is something we can do right now in the here and now to make a difference. I think some people tend to think that Christianity is all about, well, what happens when you die? And there is that glorious hope of, yes, there's a future and there's a forever future. But it's also about God kind of invading our here and now and trying to bring, you know, his will and his life and his joy to life amongst us right now. Beautiful. Would you kindly read us your scripture? This is Isaiah 11, starting with verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, I I think in a world where it is, because in a world where, you know, we see conflict all the time, you know, predators and predatees, which is kind of what this is about, you know, the ones who eat and the ones who get eaten. Yeah, and 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 really what Isaiah sees is a world where, you know, the eaters and the those who get eaten come together and live together in love and in peace and in harmony. And that is what God calls us to. And that's what we work for and that's what we live for in the here and now. Do you know what I love about hearing you read that? Is that I had this conversation a few times, and that is that it's very easy to hear somebody read, and it's not necessarily the right reader for you. <clears throat> we are all different people. Now I've I've heard that and I've read that before, that scripture, but I haven't heard it and it hasn't necessarily resonated with me the way you've just read it. And it does make me feel like I should say to people listening to this that 
don't be put off if it doesn't make sense to you if you pick up the book. There are audiobooks, there are different translations which will reach out to you. And uh, it does make me think that we should just get you in and just record the whole Bible, Bob. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> now, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I did do a retelling of that passage. Okay. If you'd like to hear that. Yeah. Something I kind of did in my own words to kind of, I hope, make it maybe resonate a bit more with folks. Are we allowed this? Is this copyrighted? It's not copyrighted. No, it's not. Have you released it? I have not released it as far as I can remember. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's fine. I think we're okay. You heard it here first on the Outskirts of Faith podcast. I think we'll go. Here we go. Here it goes. One bright, shiny day, when God gets his way, the wolf will have lunch with the lamb. She won't fill his plate, no, like best beastie mates. Together, they'll eat bread and jam. And they'll swing and they'll sway in God's big parade with a little child leading the way. One bright, shiny day when God gets his way, the leopard will sleep with the goat. He'll do her no harm, just keep his friend warm like a big, lovely, spotted fur coat. And they'll swing and they'll sway in God's big parade with a little child leading the way. One bright, shiny day when God gets his way, the cow will eat grass with the bear. The cub and the calf will play games and laugh, then snuggle and nap in their lair. And they'll swing and they'll sway in God's big parade with a little child leading the way. One bright, shiny day when God gets his way, the lion will dine with the ox. Not burgers or steaks with french fries and shakes, but mouthfuls of straw from a box. And they'll swing and they'll sway in God's big parade with a little child leading the way. One bright, shiny day when God gets his way, toddlers will hang out with snakes. They'll play near their dens just like they were friends and offer them biscuits and cakes. There you go, Sarah. And they'll swing <laughs> and they'll sway in God's big parade with a little child leading the way. One bright, shiny day, when God gets his way, no one will hit or will hurt. From God's holy mountain, his truth, like a fountain, will wash over all the earth. And we'll all swing and sway in God's big parade, while a child just like you leads the way. The end. Yeah, that's so <laughs> oh. Cheers. And cake is in the kingdom. And cake is in it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> kingdom is all about food. Yeah, totally. It's that, all about grub. That's why we love to serve yeah. it. So is that, going, is that part of a new book you're writing? Or? No, I just did it for a bit of fun over COVID. I, it was, because it was one of the readings I wanted to play with, I thought, well, yeah, I'll have a play. God, don't you just, I can't stand people who just say, oh, I just did it. You know, <laughs> just did it for a bit of fun. You know, love that. Thank you for sharing that. Nah, you my pleasure. Thanks. You say about... Um, God's kingdom, God's work. I find it quite interesting that in this planet we focus a lot on the negativity, rather. And you hear you hear comments, and you know people that listen to this at home might be thinking themselves, and they go, "How can God exist if you know there's illness and if there's this destruction?" And for me, I always think to myself, "Well, the focus is on that." And that does happen. It really does. But where there's conflict, I always find there's resolve. I always find there's God's work in that. And I find that if, for example, there was destruction, you know, the focus isn't on the millions who are helping next door, taking them in, embracing in love. So I'm curious, where have you seen God working recently, Sarah? Wow. All sorts of ways. I mean, it was amazing when John, the dishwasher man, came around and <laughs> told me about he just wanted to share something about uh, an extraordinary event that had occurred. He said, the only thing I conclude is that it was God. And I was like, well, 
of course, uh, that's what God does. And just to have those conversations in my front room, it's just awesome. But, you know, in church, I get the opportunity all the time because people, people are around if they just love to ask questions and, uh, you know, just chat about their experiences of the spiritual. And quite often it's an opportunity to share a little bit about my journey and about the discovery of Jesus as the one who embodies that. And it's a lovely journey to go on with people. So you're saying about people asking you questions. Yeah. So you would l very much welcome people if they've just, say they're listening to this and they've got, oh, you know, I feel like just taking a big swallow and deep breath and just walking into the church saying, hey, I've got some questions. Love it. I love it. I, I used to do lots of youth work and just young people ask the best questions. Older people do too, but I feel like sometimes the older we get, the harder it is to ask questions. And I absolutely love chatting. with them. I don't have all the answers at all, but I love to just chat through, you know, what have I discovered? What might be helpful in these moments? And, you know, it's hard to it's a difficult world, isn't it? You know, and we bring lots of pain and the stories that Bob and I've been sharing are all about the time where there will be no more mourning or crying or pain. But at the moment there is. So how can we make sense of that? And I can only make sense of those things in God's big story. Mm. And that's, that's why I love to just chat with people and help them to find some hope in those things. Thank you, Sarah. And Bob, what about yourself? Where have you seen God working recently? Well, I've just been asked to become patron of a really interesting organization called Truth Be Told. And they bring generations together around stories. So they will take um, like kids, groups of small children into like old folks' homes and maybe a bit of vice versa as well and maybe meet together in a church. And the idea is to bring them around stories, sometimes God's stories, sometimes other stories. And it's meant to really to kind of support both groups really and kind of make them – give them the opportunity to be together, I suppose. And I was talking with the woman who founded it uh, the other day. And she she told a story about uh, uh, an old folks' home they went to, and there was a lady who was to the point where she, she really couldn't speak anymore, but she was obviously paying attention, wanting to be involved in the storytelling. And one of the parents brought um, a child along, a very young child with Down syndrome, and that child wasn't verbal either. But during the course of the storytelling, the, the child with the Down syndrome went over to the woman and just kind of gave her a hug. And the woman reached down and picked up the child and put the child in her lap. Neither of them said anything during the course of it. But when there were actions in the story or anything, she'd, she'd, she'd try to lift the child up and she'd kind of rock the child back and forth. And the two of them apparently over time have now established a kind of special bond in the course of that, you know, whole storytelling time together that neither of them could verbalize. But for both of them is a very real and special and precious kind of thing. And again, I think there is a situation where, you know, you've got an opportunity to see, you know, people just coming together, coming together and su supporting and caring for each other. But I mean, neither of them would phrase it that way. It's just what they do is, you know, kind of human beings, you know, in the context of God and his story. I absolutely love that. And what, for me, that also kind of links so much to the second commandment, love your neighbor. I think if, if everyone just put a little bit more of that, that's just, just a really good first step. I think that's a lovely story. Thank you. And that, that's that's what I love as well, is that you can, if you're looking, if you just change your shift just for slightly, you will see God working. Yeah. All the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's now time for... What, what does it mean? mean? 
I really don't have a clue. Yes, it's now time for what does that mean? Okay, what does that mean? So, within Christianity, you hear people using a lot of words. And often you're sitting in the church at the back or, you know, you're sitting with a group or you just hear people talking and you don't go, oh, yeah, 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 I agree with that, you agree with that. And you're thinking, I haven't got a clue, but it's been 20 years and uh, I better not bring it up now. Mm. And uh, so... We're just taking some simple words that might pop up, and we're just going to choose one. And I'd like you to explain to everybody uh, listening to this. Okay, we might be embarrassed at not having been able to ask. Oh, okay, don't we'll worry, give it a go. You'll be fine. <laughs> okay, you'll be fine with this. It's a very, very simple word, and that is, what is baptism? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you started right. simple. I'm going to sit back uh, for the next twenty minutes, and off you go. Uh, Sarah? Uh, <laughs> just, just simply, what, what, what is baptism? What's it all about? What does the word even mean? You know, we hear words of like John the Baptist and, and he, you know, he baptised in water and then and there's someone who's coming after the Holy Spirit. What, what is it? What does it mean? <laughs> it's we're both looking at each other because it kind of feels like there's also, it can mean lots of things. Simply, it's an entry point to the Christian faith. Yeah. Uh, Jesus told us to do it, and it's kind of crossing from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of God. By And it's a beautiful visual picture of lots of things, of being washed clean from the th- sort of the things that we do wrong. It's a beautiful picture of joining a church family. It's a beautiful picture of water bringing refreshment and life like that Bible passage I read. And it can look a little bit different in different places. But the bottom line is Jesus said, hey, do this, uh, because it's a symbol of the start of your walk with me. I see. There's a start. <laughs> and okay, Bob, to take it Bob? from there. I could not agree more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Now was that was that a cop out there or was that yeah, more, more or less? <laughs> so so what you're saying is that it's your commitment. It's you saying yes, I will walk and follow the footsteps of Jesus. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but it's also God's commitment to us. And in that moment, I believe something happens in the heavens. God mm. does something when we decide. Uh, yeah, we want to be baptized. And actually, whether we're infants or adults, when we get baptized. I believe that something spiritual happens and how to put that into words, I can't totally, but something opens up. Like maybe like, a, I don't know, visual pictures, visual images are great, aren't they? So maybe it's like a little door begins to push open in the heavenlies. I, I don't want to oversimplify, but it's a mystery, but mm. something happens. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. I mean, when I was a child, I went to a church where they practiced uh, full immersion, and uh, which means to go wholly under the water. And and usually in our church at that time it was it was adults or I mean older children I suppose as well, but I was taught that you know you hold your hands on your chest and you would be tipped backwards into the water and totally underneath it, and they saw it and I think this is true I think Paul references this as, as a, a death and a burial and a resurrection, it's like you die to your old person, and obviously if you stayed under the water long enough you, <laughs> you, would, you would wouldn't be. come back up again. <laughs> Okay, so the whole death, burial, and resurrection is kind of symbolized there. But then when you come back up, you come back up as a new person. You know, I wonder if sometimes people think that you have to be baptized to get to heaven. And, uh, Mm. you know, historically, people have been really worried for a very sick child and got them baptized so they'd get to heaven. And I just wanted to say, 
and I think something important happens when we're baptised, but I don't think God is a kind of God who just puts a no-entry sign up if we didn't have a baptism certificate. You know, God loves us much, much more than that, and I just think it's important to put that out there too. I think it's wonderful, and I, I'm really tempted to start a conversation yeah. in that direction, <laughs> but I just can't do it. We just don't have time, but please come back. You're uh, welcome awesome. to do that. Now, what you will find next to you on your tables are a little buzzer okay ah, and i know you've both been longing to do this yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're going to do like a little three question game show here oh. and with <laughs> with the game show it's very simple and then what what we'll do is they hopefully they questions you can answer if not it doesn't matter and if you <laughs> but if you want to expand on it please do okay please do so let's have a listen so um sarah what does your sound like fantastic yeah, it's kind of uh, just a, uh, an annoying noise, really, yeah, isn't it? Much. Which is great. I really wanted to do custom ones, but budgets and everything didn't allow right. it. Right. You know, we haven't got that kind of TV budget. You it's know. Fair enough. And uh, Bob, what have you got? Ooh. Awesome. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I, that makes me say, who does uh, Puffy Power? That's what that made me <laughs> think know. of. I have no idea. No. Okay, so. So this is okay. like Elliot's House of Games. Is pretty, that pretty much. Okay, all right. Pretty much. It, it's, you know, we need you to fill some space. This is what I came up with. <laughs> got it. So, so I've got three questions for you. Okay, and hands on your buzzers. Okay. What is the Eighth Commandment? <laughs> oh, um, I have no uh, idea off the top of my hang head. Hang on a minute. I'm trying to work backwards here. <laughs> so it's covetousness, and then what's the one before covetousness? You work backwards. It's um, is it stealing? Could be. I, I'm just going for stealing. I don't know. Don't steal. You are correct. Yay! Yay! All right. That's impressive. All right. But That's this, but this is this is my point, guys. Right? Is that to be a Christian, okay, to walk in the path of Jesus, you don't need to know everything. Amen. Absolutely. I haven't got, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a, I mean, I could probably name a lot of them, but I, I don't know all the commandments. Do you know what I do? I focus on the second one, okay, which is love your neighbour, okay? I serve my neighbour, I'm there for them, because I feel like if I'm doing that, I'm serving God, which is the first, the first one. That's what I do. But you're right. Eighth, but you know, just proving it there, we don't know everything. Okay, all right, Sarah, hands on the buzzers. Right? Uh, all right, I'm all ready. Right. Okay, this right, time. Ready? ready, Sarah. What is your last name? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, this question's just for Sarah. <laughs> I know, I'm um, sorry. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Who was John the Baptist? Sarah, <laughs> well, he was John and he was a Baptist, right? Right, <laughs> he was came to announce that he's Zechariah's son, Elizabeth and Zechariah's son. Came to stood in the desert, ate locusts and honey, and talked about Jesus. Came to point the way. Okay, is and that as, the kind of as, answer? That's you're that, after? Uh, that does as bonus point. Right. Bonus point. What did he say when talking about the person who would come after him? He's not fit to tie up his shoelaces. Was that the one? Pretty much. And and he. I will baptize with water, but he'll baptize oh, you. you with fire and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well done. Both of you get 10 million points. Yeah, all right then. <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. Okay. And your last your last question. Your last question. What was the profession, hands on buzzers, before meeting Jesus of Simon Peter? He was a fisherman. He was a fisherman. Absolutely right. He was he was a fisherman. And this is um, we're just throwing these questions out just to sort of so you've got a couple of uh, answers in your back pocket because, and also probably because most of these answers I haven't got a clue. So I'm getting educated here, which is fantastic. 
Okay, so before we go today, there is still something I like to do, which is called... Splat the gnat. That's right. We are going to splat the gnat. <laughs> now, <laughs> there, there, is a, there is a theory behind this. Okay. We were talking once, uh, I was talking to some friends about evil. Okay. All right? yeah. And there is evil in the world. There is bad in the world. There's, you know, and, and you can even go to the fact of like negative thoughts or things like that. They can really get in there and interfere with you moving forward. And I suddenly realized that it doesn't have any power at all. Like when you're a Christian, when you're walking in the path of Jesus, and when you're when you're when you're praying to God and you just know that God's there for you, that evil, that negativity, it doesn't have any real power. And I suddenly described it as a gnat. You know when you've got a gnat and it's flying in front of your face and you're going, Oh, go away, gnat, go away. But it doesn't go away, it's kind of hovering. And then you're going, I don't know what this looks like on camera for you YouTube Good. people. However, I'm gonna keep going. All right. And suddenly you're just swatted it, swatted it, swatted it. And next thing you know, you're jumping up and you're running around going, ah, ah, it's a gnat, and you're making such a big deal of it. Where really all you've got to do is go, I'm gonna splat the gnat. So I'm gonna ask you right now. In the name of Jesus, if you could splat a gnat, if you could splat something right now, what would it be, Sarah McClelland? Oh, my goodness. Because I want to just go like war. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I'd start there just thinking of the situation in Ukraine. Yeah. But also, oh, just unfairness, the just greed, financial greed. Mm. I just, I could keep going yeah. with all the evils in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that a bit? Did, were you thinking something no, no, than no, that? No, 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 not at all. No, I think I, no. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I, I think with that as well, it's when you said war. It, it goes back to what I was saying earlier that you know where there is so much focus on 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 the killing and the destruction, but I can't help just putting my love, my heart out to all those people yeah. who are seeing that destruction and just pulling them in. And where you've got like thousands doing destruction here, you've got millions of just love over there you know and, and I'd, i really hope that 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 wave just comes over and goes Phew. so I, i'm totally with you on that sarah bob what about yourself i think i would splat selfishness it seems to me that increasingly as a society we talk an awful lot about me you know mm. what's important to me and you know what about me and really one of the things jesus comes to do is to help us to focus more on us and that is a really significant difference. And a lot of the things that you know, I like war and greed and the things we talk about and the things that really tear us apart are really a matter of people focusing more on me than on us. Mm. You know, well, you know, Putin's all about, okay, well, you know, this is what I want. You know, I want the Ukraine, you know, and I don't care who gets hurt. I want it and I'm going to get it and I'm going to restore whatever I think, you know, my vision of Russia is. I'm going to bring it back to the way that I thought it should be, you know, that kind of thing. But it's all about me. And when we can, either in like huge situations like that, or even in minor situations within our family or amongst our friends, find a way to move away from me and see the world more in terms of us, I think then mm. things are better. Yeah, that's lovely. I think just to want to say to everyone on, on the back of that, that everybody has a choice, you know, they've got a choice yeah. right now. Okay. And we all know what's right we all know what's wrong and you know for peer pressure and things like that you, you don't need to do it and i'm just saying now that if you if you just want to explore that further you know a direction that you might want to look into is something called the alpha course just go into google and write the alpha course and 
it's probably a really good starting point. There's other books as well by Carrie and David Grant, The First 30 Days of Walking with Jesus. And um, if you've got kids, then uh, I would highly recommend a bloke called Bob Hartman. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's really, really good. Now, um, if, if you're willing, before we, we go, I just thought that it would be nice just to finish on a prayer. Well, I thought we could just go around and just say a few words each. We've got Matt over there. Um, Matt, do you just want you to know how grateful we are for you. You're absolutely awesome. Yay. Thanks very much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's been sitting there for, for ages with those headphones on and doing a wonderful job. Sarah, would you like to start us off? And then maybe, Bob, if you'd like to take over and I'll sign off. Sure. God, thank you so much for the vision that you have for life on this earth that mm. we've been talking about, about how when you're in charge, uh, there is peace and uh, there is healing and hope and wholeness. And we just pray that we might see more of that in this world. Amen. Amen. Yes, Father, we do thank you for your love, the love that you showed mm. us all through Jesus, mm. uh, to take our attention away from ourselves and place it on you and and place it on the people around us to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. Help us to do that, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Lord, just sincere thanks for Sarah and Bob and I just want to bless their work, bless Sarah and her church and all the great work she's doing there that it may reach out and the community grows and to Bob, that creative hand, just, just keep guiding that hand because it's helping so many people. For Matthew, for his his skills and everyone involved with the outskirts of faith. But Lord, I pray for the people listening to this podcast that they may be able to take a deep breath and just go and seek you and find you and just realise the joy to know that they are never alone, no matter where it is, that there is a door that is open any place any time for anyone that they can just walk through and join that journey towards the kingdom of heaven in Jesus's name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Sarah McLennan and Thank Bob Hartman so for Thank joining you. us on the Outskirts of Faith podcast. Join us next time and uh, you will find out more that I don't know, which I am delighted that I can learn during these podcasts. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Outskirts of Faith podcast. We would love more people to join our community, so please subscribe, share this podcast, and join us on our social media. And of course, you can visit our resource website at outskirtsoffaith.com. This podcast was edited by Chris Byland, the YouTube video editing by Adam Moss, music by Matthew Salvage, and hosted by Elliot Frisby. The Outskirts!